Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Voices of Santa Clara. I am your host, Antonio, and I'm here with a very special guest, Erin Kamara Walsh. Erin is the head director of the LEAD Scholars Program. That is for first-generational scholars. Also promotes a first-gen forward advisory institution. Erin, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So just for a couple of our new viewers or maybe first years, can you uh, go ahead and please give an introduction to your background and maybe how you became passionate about academia? Yeah, sure. Um, again, my name is Erin Kimura Walsh. I'm the director of the LEAD Scholars Program, which supports first-generation college students on the Santa Clara University campus. Um, I'm also a Santa Clara University alum as well. I graduated class of 1998, so a little while ago. I have seen Santa Clara evolve quite a bit over the past, wow, more than 20 years that I've been um, on and off of the campus. Um, and I'm originally from Seattle, Washington. Um, so I grew up in Seattle, um, you know, grew up uh, going to really diverse public schools there um, in the area, had an amazing experience. You know, it's not something you really think about as a child going to those schools, but as I look back on that experience, I just see it as really being a formative experience for me um, in terms of really developing my um, passion in learning about other people's experiences, right? Um, learning about diverse communities and being able to engage with those communities, learn about different perspectives, um, kind of understand different perspectives and where people are coming from. Um, I think a lot of that comes out of those, those friendships that I had in elementary school with the many different um, students from many different backgrounds that I got to interact with. Um, I came down to, um, to California to go to Santa Clara University. Um, and again, I think that's where, you know, I was able to take kind of those experiences in my childhood and really you know, begin to think about how to use those um, and kind of apply them into career settings. So I was super involved on campus in kind of a bunch of co-curricular activities. I was involved in Center for Student um, Involvement, um, which was Center for Student Leadership back then, um, and, and participated in a training that taught us how to facilitate diversity workshops. Uh, I was also involved in the Multicultural Center. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, I, I loved my major. I was an English major focused on multicultural literature and creative writing um, and also a Japanese language and literature major. But I really think it was those co-curricular activities that really, you know, shaped kind of my professional self, right? My interest and, and the career that I ended up pursuing. So really got interested, you know, in facilitating those diversity workshops and was doing that on campus, um, interested in working in those issues, interested in understanding um, the experiences of the wide range of students that were at the university. Um, and so that really uh, was where my passion started, was at Santa Clara University back then, and I'm back now. And, you know, after that, kind of, you know, did a lot of informational interviews. So we're telling our students all the time to do informational interviews. So, you know, in my senior year, I did a bunch of informational interviews, um, talked with a bunch of professionals who are working in higher education, uh, figured out that I needed to probably get a master's to be able to do the work that I needed to do. And so I went to uh, San Francisco State to get a master's in college counseling um, and um, eventually to, to UCLA to get a PhD in higher education. Wow. <laughs> I think that's a great resume. Um, yeah, I'm a, you mentioned you were a Santa Clara alum. I'm a little interested as someone who not, also works at Santa Clara faculty now. 
how would you describe the main different experiences of your college career and maybe like what you're seeing now? I don't know. I mean, I think so much about Santa Clara remains the same, you know, in both good ways and in challenging ways. I think, you know, I think there is such a, a strong sense of community. I think there are this really strong sense of who Santa Clara is in terms of its mission, you know, that it's, um, you know, really educating people to go out and serve the world, um, really acknowledging kind of um, the whole person, right, and educating the whole person, not just about getting that degree in a certain thing or the career for a certain thing, but really trying to develop a person's entire life, right, academically, spiritually, socially, um, and in terms of their, um, how they can give back to the world, right, as well. Um, and so I think that's really powerful, right, like that, I feel like that, that strong connection that the university has to its mission was there when I was a student and, and continues today, and I remember that really drawing me as a student. I've also been, you know, around, um, you know, long enough to, to really see kind of ebbs and flows around um, diversity issues and equity issues. Um, but I really haven't seen that um, significant enough an investment that, you know, that real change, substantive change has happened. Um, and I so that so that's, I think, a real area in which, unfortunately, things kind of remain the same, you know, in terms of what I I experienced as a student over 20 years ago and what I see now our students experiencing um, today, right? Is that a, a lot of the same challenges around microaggressions in the classroom, around the underrepresentation of students of color and low-income students on our campus, the lack of representation of faculty of color, um, you know, and, and staff of color, you know, all of those issues continue to, to permeate our university. Um, you know, I think there are definitely some changes. I mean, I think it's harder to get into Santa Clara University, right? I don't think I would be able to get in if I applied now. It's, it's a more competitive school, uh, which brings both you know, some some great things about it and maybe in terms of reputation, right? Some, but also some real challenges, right? Because if we have a society that is inequitable and people from low-income backgrounds, people who are first, you know, um, first-generation college students or will be first-generation college students, um, you know, communities of color, if they don't have access to quality educational opportunities, than a, a university like Santa Clara, you know, both for, because of the academic criteria and because of the cost are even more difficult to, to get into and to achieve. So I think that's a real challenge. And of course, you know, I mean, you know, Silicon Valley then versus Silicon Valley now is a totally different place, right? So we have more of a national presence. Uh, we have more students from other parts of the country and other parts of the world, uh, increasing reputation um, because of where, where we're located, right? Right in the middle of Silicon Valley. Uh, when I was a student, I was the first class that got email addresses. So we have come a long way. We have come a long way. <laughs> yeah, I was the first got, class that got email addresses and access cards. Really? Wow. So, you know, Silicon Valley and the opportunities here are amazing right, in terms of the opportunities to work with tech companies, but all of the other entrepreneurial endeavors, the social justice endeavors, all of those. I mean, there's such great opportunities here, but again, it's like making sure that, that 
that those opportunities are accessible to everyone in our community. And I think that is a challenge that we will continue to face both in our larger society, our you know, Silicon Valley community, as well as on our campus. Yeah, um, I think that was a great answer. You mentioned that a lot of good has stayed, but also a lot of bad. One thing that this program is doing is following that same mission and values that the school represents. So it kind of brings me on to my next question. In 2003, you started this program. What goal or mindset did you have then with starting the program? And what was the process behind starting a program like this at Santa Clara University? Yeah, thank you for asking. So, you know, first I'll just, you know, disclaimer, right? Starting LEAD was a huge team effort um, by a number of colleagues. And I was a new professional, so very green at the time. I was, um, I had, you know, finished um, my undergraduate degree at Santa Clara, um, and then I had done a two-year master's pro- two-year master program and was just out of that program um, and working at Santa Clara for about a year when we really kind of got the green light to go ahead um, with this program. Um, so it was an- initially funded by a grant from the Irvine Foundation, uh, which is a California-based foundation. And, you know, I had a lot of colleagues who had done a lot of research on different types of programs serving underrepresented students. And we had identified first generation college students as, you know, a community of students that across the board could use some additional support in kind of being able to access that full college experience, right? Similarly, you know, serving students of color was also an important mission for the program. And originally the Lead Scholars Program was kind of framed a little bit differently, but originally we had this bridge program that was a two-week introduction to college program, right? Kind of like Lead Week now, it's just a week longer. And it was open to both first-generation college students and students of color. Um, You know, realizing also that students of color um, as a smaller population on campus, right, um, you know, may will have some issues in terms of transitioning, in terms of connecting with others, in terms of developing a sense of belonging um, on our campus. Um, and so originally the, the LEAD Scholars Program served, um, in its early, early days, served both first-generation college students and students of color. Um, you know, and, and our goal at the time, really, and it was a smaller program, we just focused on the college transition. Um, and so it was essentially that you know, that little bridge program a couple weeks before school started. Um, It had some of the same elements, the English class that our students take now. Uh, We had different workshops and different subjects, an elective course kind of like we have now. Um, And then, you know, a little bit of programming throughout the year, but that was about all. Let's see. So, so, you know, we've grown a lot since, since that program. And I remember when I got my little lead pamphlet in the mail, the thing that really attracted me was seeing black and brown kids like in front of the fountain like the little money shot and that really attracted me even it said i would have to take a week earlier of classes and like probably more classes than thing um i was really excited about having peer mentors when the pamphlet be sent you in santa clara's like own little like thing it's it's like primarily white institutions and they, they try to put a little diversity in there but uh nothing like and then like the the real smiles you see in the lead pamphlet. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean that I think that you know, it's it's great to hear that. I think just that brochure just draws you in. You know, that's our hope, right? Is that 
those smiles do look real, right? And that our students have that wonderful experience that they want to then share with other incoming students. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad to hear that, you know, even in our brochure that's communicated or reflected. Yeah, and that kind of leads on to my next question. So something I've had the pleasure of being part of is Lead Week. And I'm just curious, how did this method of community building come about? And what was the goal originally for the first years? Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, you know, Lead Week in some form has always been a part of the Lead Scholars Program, right? So we started with our bridge program. And really, you know, that's a model that's used across the country, right, in terms of supporting underrepresented or underserved students um, in their college transition, right? Some are a lot longer. There's entire summer bridge programs, um, you know, where students move on much earlier um, during the summer and take more classes. And um, so there's all sorts of, I guess, variations of a bridge program, right? So that was always um, a big part of what we were doing. So we, you know, there were a couple changes about four years after we were founded where the, the grant funding went away, the university picked up funding, the whole program, and we're you know, really looking at wanting to serve a, a larger population of students. So that program originally was just serving about 30 students. And by shortening lead week, we were able to, um, to open it up now to 60 students, right? So half... Half as long, but twice as many students um, being impacted, right? We've really found, I think, a great formula for supporting our students in that transition, right? And providing them that sense of community, sense of belonging, um, you know, a sense of kind of just comfort with the campus um, during, during lead week, um, which I think has been incredibly fulfilling and transform transformative for our students um, in terms of their success um, at the university. You said, mentioned it before, that the LEAD has grown so much over the past couple of years, and it started with just the LEAD program and just transition college-based community building. Now it becomes something way more where you guys offer tons of different activities. If you can just maybe just chime in in a couple of different growth aspects you guys have engaged in? Yeah, of course. So, you know, about five years ago, we got another grant from um, a foundation in the Bay Area called the Correct Foundation. Uh, and this made a significant impact in terms of what we were able to offer to our students and the numbers of students we were able to serve. So this funding helped us expand the number of students we were serving. Um, so we were, you know, kind of adding on incrementally over four years about 15 students each year, right? And we were, you know, are now kind of at a place where we're able to meet the needs of all of our, all of the students who are interested in participating in LEAD, right? We can bring them into the program. We don't have to select, you know, particular students for LEAD and then, you know, and decline other students, right? So I think that has been, um, you know, had a huge impact, right? Just being able to really, you know, being able to, to serve all the students who would like the support and the community of the LEAD Scholars Program. Um, you know, the other pieces I think that we've provided now are opportunities for our students to really experience all that Santa Clara University has to offer. Uh, so often, you know, Santa Clara has great opportunities, immersion programs, study abroad, um, being able to do research with a faculty member, uh, being able to, you know, go on kind of all of these other, you know, trips with 
um, global fellows or with, you know, just all of these wonderful both domestic and international opportunities. Um, but one of the challenges with many of our students is because they're from low income backgrounds, these opportunities just aren't open to them because they don't have the financial means to to cover the costs of studying abroad um, or these other opportunities. Um, so one of the things we've been able to offer is our fellowship program where we um, you know, invite students to apply for our fellowships um, and it can be for any types of opportunities. So this is funding for any high impact opportunity. And it may be, again, study abroad, immersion program. It may be their own creative project. Um, you know, they wanna focus on an art project or a writing project or some sort of independent research project. You know, we can fund that. They find out about a great unpaid internship um, at a community agency, right, in the area, right? And they can kind of offer their services, you know, as an unpaid intern and then get a stipend through the Lead Scholars Program. Um, and so this really opens up then all of these opportunities for our students, right? Um, undergraduate research, study abroad, and unpaid internships, um, to name a few. Um, so that's one piece, right, is really helping our students get the most out of their, their Santa Clara experience. Uh, we also have an emergency fund now, and then we didn't have that before. So now students, you know, if they are struggling with living expenses, with uh, educational expenses, with emergency needs they have, they can come to us and we can help get them the funding that they need. So for example, you know, this, you know, the past few quarters, of course, laptops have been essential for all of our learning and, and the work that we're doing. Um, and so we've been helping students um, purchase laptops, um, you know, when there's break or things like that. You know, lastly, you know, another, I think, big piece that we've expanded into is just in terms of career exploration for our students. Um, and so we now offer um, vocational exploration classes for our students. Um, so all of our students have to take one of those either in their, um, usually in their sophomore or junior year, so they can start thinking about you know, what are the different career opportunities out there? How do I network to learn more about those opportunities? Um, and, and then how do I get one of those opportunities, right? How do I actually embark on an effective internship or job search? Um, and so, you know, that has been huge because I just remember, you know, back in the early 2000s, right? Students coming to me saying, okay, I need to find a job and I don't really know how to do that, right? And having very limited resources to be able to, to support them with. Um, so that's been been um, incredibly powerful at once. I think another thing that we've been able to do is just increase our engagement with alumni as well. Um, and this includes both workshops for alumni because just as you know they were first-generation college students, they're also first-generation professionals, right? Navigating the work world, um, you know, without, you know, um, sometimes the guidance that they need. And so sometimes we're offering them workshops and we're also bringing them back to participate in panels and other activities, mentoring activities with our students as well. So that's been really exciting to have this long lineage in the LEAD family and people who are always kind of circling back and connecting with the program and with our students. Yeah, um, I think that's really great. And what a growth LEAD has had, right? Um, I can personally say that as a LEAD scholar and student right now, Lead plays such a critical part in like my resources and like who to talk to and where to get advice from. I think you guys are probably like in my top list um, of resources on campus. And I really want to thank you for that. That's been a really good way of like through my college career. So I appreciate that. And uh, I would say 
the, another reason why it has grown so much and it's because it works right um you really see these change in lead scholars their their attitude shifts and it really just plays a critical role in their academic and later on professional career so i, I kind of want to ask what changes or maybe major impacts have you seen lead have on maybe first years or if not students down the line we look at impact in a couple in a few different ways right so first you know we we do a lot of assessment um we hope we hope that our our students don't feel like that they're being you know overly surveyed right but all of that information is super helpful to us we survey students you know at the close of each major significant experience that we offer so you know at the end of lead week at the end of our lead classes um, you know, and then we off we also have a survey, an annual survey at the end of the year each year, um, that where we try to get um, some additional in- insight from our students. Um, so you know, it's exciting to see from that data the impact that we're having on our students, right? And you know, like you said, Antonio, it's all incredibly positive, right? Um, students who you know after Lead Week you know, have such a solid sense of belonging, um, a solid sense of the resources that are available to them, right, and really feel a part of a community. You know, one, we have all this data, right, and that helps us to understand the impact and also helps us understand, you know, where we can do better, right, what other services our students need. Um, The other thing is, of course, just seeing the transformation of students, right, Um, and seeing, you know, students who are coming in uncertain, um, what to expect, not knowing what this journey looks like, not knowing, yeah, what their path will look like, what they will end up doing. You know, at the end of lead week, seeing them a little bit more comfortable on campus, right? And at the end of their um, sophomore years, feeling more comfortable, you know, and excited about the major that they've picked right, and feeling more comfortable in that major. Um, And then doing internships as juniors, right, or studying abroad as juniors, and then coming back, just transform from that experience. I mean, we always always say, like, especially students, I think, who study abroad, I mean, they come back different people, right? Like, walking taller, more confident, um, you know, they've, they've been out into the world and they can know they can navigate a whole nother country, sometimes a whole nother language, the flight there, the flight back, you know, all of that stuff, right? School in a different country. Um, so, you know, by, yeah, by the time, you know, students are graduating, I mean, you know, it, it is really exciting to see transformation, right? That, that they experience um, and to be able to then, you know, and our hope for students, right, with the career exploration pieces that LEAD offers, that they can also walk into the world of work and have a sense of, you know, what their future holds, how to, you know, and also all those skills where if life throws them a curveball, they know how to handle it, right? Okay, I need to go back to doing informational interviews. I don't like my job anymore. This is how I can look for another one. This, you know, those types of things as well. So we hope that, you know, what they get in LEAD and at Santa Clara University, you know, they, it's an experience they have in their four years, but it's also something that they take with them throughout their life. Yeah, definitely. I'll say that LEAD has had such an integral role in my college first year and so many other elite scholars have I've talked to all say the same of the positive impact it's had on everybody. I think everything's going great with lead and then 
boom, early March, we get a notice from President Father O'Brien, a couple emails to be exact, about the stoppage of academic learning or in-person learning and telling everyone to pretty much go home. And I know LEAD being such a integral resource on campus, a lot of people look to you about what to ha- what's going on, what's going to happen. So I just kind of want to ask what the LEAD program was, how they adapted and shifted their maybe attitudes into this current pandemic and how to engage with students. First and foremost, of course, when that happened, it was what do our students need? right? Who are our students who need, you know, funding for emergency travel home, you know, had a, a, you know, less than ideal laptop, right? I mean, we had, I feel like we had students who, you know, who were like, my laptop broke. I was kind of using the school one, you know, as a, as, you know, as kind of as a stopgap, right, to fill the gap. And now I'm out of luck, right? Um, and so they were trying to make do, but now that they had to go home, they weren't going to have a, a laptop, right? Um, and they needed that for school. So really, I, I mean, for us, I think the first thing was identifying those initial needs that students had and how we could be responsive to those. Um, so, you know, we um, provided emergency funding for a lot of those types of needs in those first few days and the first few weeks of the pandemic. You know, I think the other piece is, okay, we need to do some assessment. We need to figure out, you know, what, what our students lives look like right now, what their needs are going to be, what kind of services they need. And so we did administer a spring survey um, to all of our students to get a sense of, you know, what their employment was going to look like. Were they worried about losing jobs? Were they worried about, you know, funding for living expenses or educational expenses? Um, You know, how were they doing in terms of family dynamics, online learning, mental health, all of those pieces, right? So that really helps us assess what's going on for our students and where the needs are as well. Um, And then the other pieces, coming in with those supports, right? So a lot of meeting with students individually and checking in and seeing how they're doing. Um, A lot of programming, right? So we were offering a range of programming from just check-ins, right? Time to to chat about what's going on um, and share information because sometimes you all get information that I don't get and vice versa, right? So sharing information, um, a lot of sessions kind of around mental health, um, you know, how do we, you know, normalizing what's going on for all of us, like this is a crazy time. So it makes sense that we all feel a little off keel right now or a lot off keel right now, but how do we cope with the anxiety, how do we, what are strategies to take care of ourselves? How do we still maintain healthy connections and relationships with friends and family and, and, and others in our lives? Um, and then how do we do well, do well in school, right? So we had wellness workshops, online learning workshops, um, as well as those check-ins. And we upped our social media game. I mean, fortunately, we already had great social media presence, one that was growing, um, Alma's been amazing at helping us utilize social media effectively, um, and that really paid off, I think, during the pandemic, right? That we could get that information out, not only through the workshops, but through our social media. How can you take care of yourself, right? You know, how can you develop online learning strategies? Hey, here's our emergency fund that's available if you need, if you need help. Yeah, you know, I think there, you know, there was a little bit of logistical stuff, but mostly it was like identifying what our students' needs are, and then let's just go for it. Let's just address all the needs that that we can address. 
one really great thing that's come out of this that I didn't really anticipate to is just, or maybe I should have anticipated, but really like how many um, people on campus have reached out about collaborating and how many people I've reached out to about collaborating as well. So, you know, during the pandemic, we um, started our first kind of lead support group, our lead green tea chats every Friday, um, you know, afternoon with, with CAPS, right? So they were super excited about collaborating with us on this group, right? And that's a space where, you know, lead scholars can go and talk about what's going on for them, right? And engage in a little bit of wellness, you know, activities as well, some breathing exercises and, and relaxation exercises. Um, so I think there's been some great kind of collaborations that have come out of this, right, where we're bringing something, right, to the to the mix, but these other, you know, departments on campus are as well, um, and kind of, you know, creating even better programs for, for the students we serve. Yeah, I, I definitely remember LEAD making me feel comfortable, right, more than, than the faculty. You guys really just kind of gave you your own perspective or looked into our own perspective to get, like, the best of what we need um, and our, what we value and what would be more integral into playing into this breast of the COVID-19 era. Yeah, good. I, I'm glad that you, yeah, that you felt like it was addressing the things that you, you know, you and your friends um, and others in lead need. And then you also mentioned the social media. Uh, I remember actually following it and having all my other friends follow it. I'm like, wow, this is like better source than most most things on campus. Because you guys weren't only talking about stuff that would happen just the lead scholar programs, but deadlines to meet um, and different events to ha- to look forward to on campus. So I think that was a really good, positive idea. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, again, you know, that's been a huge learning curve for me. And again, I'm, I'm glad I have Alma and a bunch of our students to kind of help guide us through that. Um, but I'm seeing, especially right now, you know, when we can only, you know, connect virtually, right? And so many of us are Zoomed out, right? Like we, you know, we have Zoom fatigue, right? That we don't want to be on another Zoom call, right? So what are ways that we can continue to gauge or keep in touch with lead, but not have to, you know, do that, you know, in an active way. So it's a good little, a good little break, but still a good way to get out some information or just, you know, help people feel connected a little bit, right? Or a sense of comfort, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know I was a little worried about, um, what next year would look like in terms of lead and school, but I think you guys really set the tone for at least me and the rest of a couple lead scholars that went to lead week, um, about how this school year was gonna is gonna go down, right? I've been a part of a couple of virtual community building programs already, but nothing quite effective as that lead week. Do you mind just kind of going in about what kind of went behind planning an effective lead week virtually? Because I know that's something that's super difficult. And what kind of did you take from the actual lead week to like, okay, what can we bring to our experience here? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking. I'm gonna, you know, kind of throw the questions back at you too because you were one of our peer mentors, right? Um, so you had a really instrumental role in in making sure that Lead Week worked, right? And our, you know, and our the experience of our incoming students during Lead Week. Um, I think I'll start off just by saying, like, I am just incredibly grateful to have amazing colleagues um, in the Lead Scholars Program, right? So amazing staff who 
you know, really thought through what lead week was going to look like, right? Um, you know, I think many of the elements we tried to keep the same, you know, we wanted to keep the values the same, right? And the values are really around being able to be your authentic self, the value around amazing, remarkable, outstanding, you know, smart, resilient, you know, everything, right? Every positive adjective in the dictionary, right? Um, describes our lead scholars, right? And so we want you and all of our incoming students to know, you know, how much we value all of you, right? And how much we are in all of your, you know, intelligence, your resilience, your, you know, your sense of humor is just who you are, right, as people. And so I think we always are tr trying to communi communicate that sense of, um, of the value that, that of who you are and what you bring to both LEAD and our, and our Santa Clara campus. Um, and, you know, that key kind of value of vulnerability, right, that we talk about a lot in LEAD. Um, and so that those were important to maintain throughout, right? Whether we're online, you know, virtual or in person, you know, we want those values to be consistent. You know, I think in terms of the logistics stuff, you know, Andrea, who's our assistant director, was phenomenal in terms of thinking about, okay, what are the pieces that, that we need to do in person, right? Um, you know, kind of in person, meaning through Zoom, but synchronously, right? And what are the pieces that, well, we can just kind of do videos, right? Because everyone, again, after a while on Zoom, you're kind of over it, right? So what pieces can we do on Zoom and what can we do um, through videos and other types of delivery, right? So I think that was really important to think through, right? Because we, to be most effective, we couldn't have our students on Zoom for eight to 10 hours, right? At some point, you know, they're checked out. So it was important to balance the need to do all these things that we wanted to do with a realistic timeline around students' attention spans virtually. Um, so, you know, and, and all of the, you know, figuring out Zoom links, right, and timing and all of that, I think, um, um, you know, was also just important, right? All these details we have had to work through. But I think, you know, we, during training, right, we're communicating all of this, you know, information to you. We're talking about vulnerability. We're talking about these things. But then we were really relying on you all um, as staff members because you were the ones who were more directly, consistently, you know, each day working with the incoming students, right? And building this community, um, you know, as peers met with these little peer mentoring groups. Um, so I'd love to hear, I think, from you, you know, what you, maybe you took from training, um, you know, what you took from your experience as a lead scholar and how you. I guess transmitted that you know to to your own uh, mentoring group yeah so I'll start off by saying that I think part of the reason I wanted to become a lead scholar this year knowing the circumstances that we were going to be in was because I really wanted to just translate that same special community same special energy that I received from lead week my first year and I know my peer mentor you know, we have we had a really good relationship and, you know, he was a very integral part of my college transition, um, whether that just be about classes or about what to expect when you see Benson. Right. Um, he was very genuine, very real with me. And that was something I was able to appreciate to this day. And I think kind of going into this lead week, I was very worried about the aspect of vulnerability. And I think something we learned through 
lead training was that it was it was possible it was attainable you could gain a sense of vulnerability because our lead week training staff was pretty close as well we were a community and it took us being a community to be able to translate that to our own lead mentees right so I'll say that when I was a peer mentor throughout this whole time talking to them every day was worrying because I just kind of said I thought they would zoom check out but no they were very attentive they were engaged and they needed the social social aspect as much as I needed it so I think that was also a very integral part of why I was so successful and like you said it was the same values that we tried to mimic from what we received the first couple of weeks of lead week um and just try to emulate that to our mentees because i think it was so special and i think almost every college student who's in the lead program deserves that yeah thank you thank you antonio thank you for that answer but then also for your work right because like i said we were relying on you right and we knew that you were going to have to role model vulnerability right if you opened up to students if you um, shared your genuine, authentic self and your story, um, you know, they then they would reciprocate that. They would be like, okay, this is what lead is, right? This is the expectations. I can be my true self here, right? I'm valued here. Um, I can share my story. I can ask for help, um, you know, and I can help others in this space, right? Um, so thank you. Thank you for your good work. Yeah, you and your colleagues, right, who were also peer mentors, you you were the ones that were making that difference. You know, such an honor to, to be a part of this community, right, um, and all be able to share those values together um, with each other. So the powerful thing, we, you know, we recently... Um, so we did a, a, a lead week survey, as we do every year, right? Um, very uncertain about what the outcome might be, right? Um, and one of the questions is supportive community. Like, how do you, do you feel like you've gained a supportive community, right? Or to what degree, right? From one to five, like, didn't really gain a supportive community to, you know, five, yes, I really did, um, you know, how, you know, experience that impact. Um, so we were, so five is the highest and this year, um, kind of the average mean gains for supportive community was 4.7 higher, a little bit higher than it was last year. Yeah. That's, that's big news. Yeah. Wow. You know, we were hearing it anecdotally. I kept hearing from first year students, oh, lead week was great. It was wonderful. But you know, those might just be the students who are reaching out to me, right? Or the students who are extra enthusiastic, you know, extra engaged. But this confirms, right? This is the power of the survey. This confirms, wow, across the board, you know, our students had a really positive experience and feel part of a supportive lead community. Um, so that's pretty powerful. So great job. Great job, Antonio. <laughs> great job, yeah. all peer mentors out there. Thank you for your hard yeah. work. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I, I know I said it already, but thank you again for making Lead Scholars Program, making that pathway and road for us underrepresented students. Um, I know it's been an integral part of my college career so far. Yeah, thank you. It is, it is my honor. It is my honor to to um, be able to, to work with all of the students that we serve. Yeah, my, my pleasure in many, in many ways. I, I enjoy it, I find it incredibly gratifying and all of you, um, all the students we work with, um, incredibly inspiring. 
So thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. Yeah, and my last question for you is, if you were to have a dinner with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be? Well, this will reveal a little bit about me, um, I guess politically, but I think probably Michelle Obama. So I think, yeah, I just think she's a you know, phenomenal inspiration, right? A phenomenal person. Um, so I would say Michelle Obama. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great answer. I, I, I love Michelle Obama as well. And I mean, she did take away our good school lunches, made them healthy, but I think it, it was for the better. So, yeah. My my um, my aunt works in a, a lunchroom in Hawaii. She works at an elementary school in Hawaii. And she's like, oh my gosh, all the apples that they throw away, you know, like they have all, like all the healthy food. <laughs> she's like, oh, it just all goes in the garbage. The kids don't eat it, which is not good. Yeah, I guess all politicians have their challenges. Huh? Well, even if she's not a politician, right? Um, but I, yeah, I just... You know, I think she kind of exemplifies so many things that we talked about in lead, right? Like just being her authentic self, you know, and, you know, the value that that she really seems to hold for all people. Um, I just think she's uh, important, I think, role model and very inspirational. Yeah, most definitely. Great answer. And well, that pretty much concludes our interview for today. Thank you again, Aaron, for taking the time out of your day to do this interview with me. Um, it's been a pleasure of mine to talk to you today. Pleasure to talk with you too, Antonio.